So if you have your Bibles, and I hope you do, go with me to Acts chapter 16. Acts chapter 16, and we are going to continue what we just got through the introduction of on last Sunday. But wasn't, didn't the Lord give us a great Sunday last Sunday? And to hear the testimonies of what God has been doing in hearts and lives this last year, and to see Jesse follow the Lord in believers' baptism, uh, I thank the Lord for the great the great service that he gave us. Uh, we kind of began last week and throughout the introduction of this sermon asking this question that I want us to keep in front of us, not just today, but throughout this year. What are we doing in this life that is going to matter for eternity? What are we doing in this life? That's exactly what the song was just talking about. What are we doing in this life that is going to matter in eternity, that is going to last beyond us? Are we, as Jesus calls us to in the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew chapter 6 and verse 33, are we seeking first the kingdom of God? And collectively, as a church, is our church focused and are we staying on the mission that God has given us to do? Avoiding the distractions that are brought our way and And avoiding chasing the non-essential things? Are we prioritizing the great commission, the last words that Jesus gave us as he left this earth in Matthew chapter 28? Are are we prioritizing, are we making that our first priority to carry out the great commission? We looked at what is at stake. What's at stake when churches lose their vision? What's at stake when we Forget what our mission is as a church. And I reminded you of the verse in Proverbs chapter uh, 28, I believe it is, that tells us that where there is no vision, Proverbs 29 verse 18, where there is no vision, say it with me, the people perish. People don't just lose jobs. People don't just lose money. People don't just lose Houses and lands and possessions, they don't just lose community. No, they perish eternally. And that is why this is such a a heavy responsibility that we carry as a church. So if there is one thing, and this is what we talked about last week, if there is one thing that we must do, if there is one thing that we cannot afford not to do, it is to be and make disciples of Jesus Christ. And in a society that is consumed with the temporary things of this life, the temporary things of this uh, this world that will eventually burn up, we as a church have the opportunity like never before to clarify our message, to clarify our motive, what we're about, to clarify our mission. And it is, it is our desire, we I mentioned this last week that our leadership team went away and the one thing that God kept bringing back to our hearts is that we need to be, we need to remain on mission and we need to know why we're here and not just us but every single one of us in this church and those that attend this church need to know what we are all about and what our mission is and so we're going to be talking about it a lot. We're going to be saying it a lot together because I'm hoping that you will memorize this and when people ask you what is Faith Baptist Tabernacle all about, that you will be able to tell them what our mission is. So 
Let's say this all together this morning again. Ready? Loud and, and together. To be and make disciples of Jesus through Christ-centered worship, preaching, fellowship, discipleship, and everyday gospel conversations. Very good. One more time. Ready? To be and make disciples of Jesus through Christ-centered worship, preaching, fellowship, discipleship, and everyday gospel conversations. You say, where did you get that? Acts, when, when, when Jesus started the church, this is what they were all about, beginning in chapter 2. So I want us to take some time this morning to go to Acts, and we're going to be looking in Acts chapter 16, the example that we have in the first century church. In Acts chapter 16, by this time, the gospel is on the move. People are being converted from a works-based religion called Judaism to faith in Jesus Christ. Despite many attempts to add works to faith by the Judaizers, remember Paul and and Barnabas are are, are on these mission trails and and here in the text, in, in Acts chapter 16, we see that they're, they're going back into, the Judaizers were going back into the cities where Paul and Barnabas, Barnabas had been. And they were teaching them, yes, Paul and Barnabas were right about salvation being by grace through faith. But there's one other thing that we need to tell you, and, and that is that you also need to be circumcised. You, you need to come over into Judaism. In other words, they were saying, yes, Jesus is the way to, he is the door, but there's also this screen door that you have to go through as well, and that is Judaism. And in so doing, just like a lot of denominations today, they were adding works to salvation. Today, people try to add baptism to salvation or church membership to salvation or a number of other things. But as we come to the end of chapter 15, Paul and Barnabas have decided to go their separate ways. We won't get into all that. And now it is Paul and Silas ministering. And I want you to look with me at the 40th verse of Acts chapter 15 before we get into chapter 16. And read down through verse number 10 of chapter 16. If you're able to stand for the reading of God's word, let's do that as we read our text this morning. Beginning in chapter 15, verse 40. And Paul chose Silas and departed, being recommended by the brethren under the grace of God. And he went through Syria and Cilicia, confirming the churches. Then came he to Derbe and Lystra, and behold, a certain disciple was there named Timotheus, the son of a certain woman, which was a Jewish and believed, but his father was a Greek, so he He was half Jew, half Gentile, which, speaking of Timothy, was well reported of by the brethren that were at Lystra and Iconium. Him would Paul have to go forth with him and took and circumcised him because of the Jews which were in those quarters, for they knew all that his father was a Greek. And as they went through the cities, they delivered them the decrees for to keep that were ordained of the apostles and elders which were at Jerusalem. And so were the churches established in the faith, and they increased in number daily. Now when they had gone through Phrygia and the region of Galatia and were forbidden of the Holy Ghost to preach the word in Asia, 
After they were come to Mysia, they essayed to go into Bithynia, but the Spirit suffered them not. And they, passing by Mysia, came down to Troas, and a vision appeared to Paul in the night. And there stood a man of Macedonia, and, and he prayed him, saying, Come over into Macedonia and help us. And after he had seen the vision, immediately we endeavored to go into Macedonia, assuredly gathering that the Lord had called us for to preach the gospel unto them. You may be seated. I want you to see in the text this morning three priorities that were in the first century church. Three things that was a focus in the first century church that should be and must be a focus for us as Faith Baptist Tabernacle in this community where the Lord has given us. And we talked about uh, the first one a little bit last week, but I want you to, to see it in our text. I want to dig a little bit deeper into it, and it is this. First of all, the priority of discipleship. The priority of discipleship with the privilege of becoming a disciple of Jesus also comes the responsibility of making disciples of Jesus. To whom much is given, much is what? How many of you would say, I'm blessed to be a child of God? We are blessed, and we talk about the blessings of being a child of God, and we should, but let us never forget that with the blessings come responsibility. To whom much is given, much is required of us. And now we see in verse number 41 of chapter 15 that they went through Syria and Cilicia doing what? Here's the word, confirming. In other words, they didn't just go into these new towns and new cities and present the gospel and all these people get saved. And they didn't just leave them there to fend for themselves. But before they went back to a new area, they went back and they confirmed, they strengthened the churches. They built up the saints. They were coming back into these areas to make sure that these new believers were growing in their newfound faith. In fact, back in verse number 36, Paul tells Barnabas that their first order of business was to go back and to check on the new believers in the Galatian region before they went to the next area. Strengthening the believers was a priority in their mission. Why? Why was it a priority in their mission? Because discipleship is a vital part of the Great Commission, as we saw last week. It's not just to go and teach about salvation, but it is also to baptize those who are saved and then to teach them how they can read their Bibles and observe for themselves what the Word of God teaches them. That's the completion of the Great Commission. And so the goal of, of every Christ follower in here should be to grow in your faith, to grow in my faith, to a place where we are able to help others come to faith in Jesus Christ and teach them so that they can grow in their faith. We are not fulfilling the Great Commission if we only see people saved. There's more to it than that. This week I began discipleship with two young men in our church who are police officers in our community and it was our first meeting together but I shared with them in my meeting before we ever began that my desire was not just to take them through this 
My desire was not just for them to learn and to have head knowledge, but my desire and my prayer is that once we go through it, whether it takes us 25 weeks or 50 weeks or whatever it takes us, that my desire is by the end of it that they will see the responsibility to take someone else through it. That's the pattern that we see in the New Testament. The question for all of us that we have to answer in our hearts this morning is who are we pouring into spiritually? Who are the people in our life that we are pouring into Who are we being intentional about seeing them grow in their faith? Who are we inviting into our life? Several weeks ago when we had our winter meeting, our revival meeting, uh, Brother Bill mentioned this quote by John Maxwell, and it's so powerful and it's so true. It's the proximity principle that says that you can impress people from a distance, but you can only impact them if you are close to them. You can be impressive to people from a distance, but if you are going to really impact somebody's life, you're going to have to let them in your life, and you're going to have to get into their life. And that's what discipleship is. When we are saved, yes, we need to learn. Yes, we need more knowledge. But, listen, knowledge is not enough. Knowledge is not enough. We don't just need to learn more just for the sake of knowing more. We need to learn more so that we can pour into someone else. And if we are not doing that, then we are not completing the Great Commission. It doesn't matter what our title is. It doesn't matter what our position is. It doesn't matter how long we have been a church member. If we are not making disciples and intentionally inviting people into our lives to help them come to faith and grow in their faith, we are not doing what God has left us here to do, plain and simple. And it is my responsibility as a pastor to do it, but it's it's not just my responsibility to do it. I mean, look around the full room this morning, and we have... 20-something of our teenagers who are not here this morning, and we have many others who are out of town this weekend. But just imagine if we all said, I'm going to take one person, I'm going to take one person this year and help them grow in their faith. We already have problems, but we would have even greater problems. Paul says this, that knowledge alone puffs up. Love, by contrast, is what builds up. And love says this, I'm going to do more than just gain knowledge. I'm going to, I'm going to impart knowledge so that someone else's eternity can be changed and so that they can grow close to Jesus Christ. And that's why we talk constantly about discipleship. In fact, probably this year, if you're not careful and you're not walking in tune with the mission, you're probably going to get tired of that word. But isn't that what we're called to be as disciples of Jesus? I think that's pretty clear. And so that's why I'm asking you this year to invest personally in discipleship. And there are several ways that you can do that because a faith group, what we did at 10 o'clock, is discipleship. It's gathering with other believers and studying the word of God together and praying for one, one another. It's not just a Bible lesson. 
And then the, the, the midweek, sometimes we have ladies and men's Bible studies and men's prayer breakfasts and being a part of those and being a part of one-on-one discipleship. This is encouraging to me as a pastor that Brother Matt let me know that after last Sunday, we have over 40 people in this church or, or that attend this church who are going through one-on-one personal discipleship right now, over 40 of them. We thank the Lord for that. And you saw the impact of it last week and the testimonies of those that shared what God has done in their life. Evangelism and discipleship, and this is where we've messed up, they are, they're not meant to be separated. They're together. They go hand in hand. And we are more of what God designed us to be when we are making disciples. Listen. If we're just making memories, and we are, but if that is all that we're making and we're not making disciples, then we need to make the first things first again. If we are making the ball teams, but we're not making disciples, then we need to make first things first again. If we are making money, but we're not making disciples, if we're making friendships, but we're not making disciples, if we're making the dean's list, but we're not making disciples, if we're making all kinds of things, but we are not making disciples, church, please hear not just my heart, but the heart of Jesus, the mission that he has given us to do is to make disciples of Jesus Christ. This is the heart of Christ. This is the heart of Jesus And that's what he means when he says, seek first the kingdom of God. And what discipleship means is, as I mentioned last week, it's messy. It means that there's people in here who are going through things in their life. They're at all different stages in their Christian life. Some of them are still dealing with sin, and not just hidden sin, but visible sin. They're still dealing with that. And that's why I say all the time that our church is a hospital. If you view church as a museum where you can come and just ooh and ah at all these wonderful Christians, you're not in a good church. Because there ought to be people there who are hurting, who came into an emergency room this morning and need triage. There there are people who are going through all kinds of different things. And the sad reality is that we live in an era where 94% of churches are not growing or they're not growing as fast as their community. Which means that one out of every 20 churches are effectively reaching their neighbors for Jesus. How many of you would say, as you look at the New Testament, there's no doubt about it, discipleship is a first thing in the mind of Christ. And if it is, then it must be a first thing in our life. The priority of discipleship, secondly, and I'll try to just mention this one briefly, but the priority of mentorship. We see this in verses 1 through 3. Notice in verse number 1, they came to Derby and Lystra, and behold, a certain disciple was there named Timothy or Timotheus. The best that we can tell, Timothy is somewhere between the ages of 16 and 25 years old. And God wanted to add another member to this leadership team. And so Timothy is God's choice. And he is the perfect fit. Remember, they're now going into these cities and these areas where Gentiles are converting to Christianity. And they have much different backgrounds than the Jews. And so 
Timothy, who now becomes a member of the team, as you remember, as we just read, he is half Jew, he is half Gentile. And when they go into these these regions, there's a mix. There's Jews and there's Gentiles there. But another significant thing about Timothy is his age. He's a lot younger than Paul. And I won't get into all of it this morning, but go read First and Second Timothy, and you will see the heart of the Apostle Paul to pour into the next generation. He was passionate and he was intentional about raising up leaders in the next generation. He understood how important spiritual mentorship was to the gospel going to the next generation. By the way, this is the model given for us in Titus as well, that the younger the, the older men should teach the younger men. The older women should teach the younger women. And it's important that we have both of them. And I mentioned this, but when we were recently looking for a youth pastor, we believed wholeheartedly as a leadership team that this needed to be someone who was young, who we could pour into and invest in for the next generation. We believe in the scriptural priority of mentorship. Passing spiritual leadership to the future generations, which is why Paul challenged young Timothy in 1 Timothy 4.12. And young people, I want to challenge every single one of you in this room because we are about to be extremely intentional. We are intentional. That's why 20 plus of our teenagers are at a retreat this weekend focusing on this very thing. That we believe that you are not just the future of Faith Baptist Tabernacle, but you are a vital part right now of Faith Baptist Tabernacle. You are the church today, not just the church of tomorrow. Which is why Paul challenged Timothy, let no man despise thy youth, Timothy, but be thou an example of the believers in word, in conversation, in charity, in spirit, in faith, in purity. In 1 Timothy, Paul calls Timothy his son in the faith, and we need more of that mentality in our churches. I think that we need to be intentional. Listen, we need to be intentional about raising up and training and leading young men who will be future deacons and will be future uh, Sunday school teachers and leaders in our church. And, and yes, we're all about women growing and learning. And this past mon- Monday night, we had over 60 women who were gathered together to focus on this. But listen, our churches are void of male leadership today, and we need more of it in our churches. More men who will stand up and say, I'll teach a class, and I'll lead, and I'll step in, and I'll disciple, and I will mentor. Because the strength of a church is measured by its commitment to investing in the potential of its emerging leaders and its youth. And that's why we put a big emphasis here on our children's ministry and on our youth ministry. Behind every thriving church is a legacy of investment in the leadership of its youth. Wise then is the church that recognizes the importance of cultivating and mentoring and investing in the rising leaders who will carry the torch forward long after we are gone. Remember Brother Bill Prater when he was here who has pastored his church in liberal Kansas for 20 plus years and served on staff there for 30 plus years. Do you remember what he said? That he was a little five-year-old bus kid who someone brought in on a bus at that church and he later became their pastor. 
Boy, that made me, that, that excited me. I thought, which little one running around here that you pass in the hallways is going to be your pastor visiting you in the hospital and preaching to you every single Sunday? These are the ones that we are raising. And that leads us to our third and final point this morning. And I want to spend just a little bit of time here is the priority of flexibility. Not only the priority of discipleship, not only the priority of mentorship, but we see it in the text vividly. That Paul teaches Timothy a very important lesson here, the priority of flexibility. And this you can be sure of, church. If discipleship is going to be a priority and mentorship is going to be a priority, then flexibility must be a priority. Which means that we have to separate ourselves from useless, extra-biblical tradition that keeps us alienated from the next generation. And I'll be honest with you, I'm not too crazy about these churches who have one service for the younger generation and one service for the older generation because I believe that we ought to be flexible enough that we can come in here and stand side by side and sing songs from every generation together that worship and glorify Jesus Christ. It's putting aside all of the the non-extra, the non-scriptural things, the extra things that we add. So let me give you two things this morning. We must, first of all, be flexible in what we do. What we see here is that Paul and Timothy understood the priority of flexibility for the sake of the gospel. And we see something kind of strange in verse number 3. Although it was a common topic in these days, Paul instructs Timothy, who is half Jew and half Gentile, that he needs to be circumcised. Now, Paul had just finished fighting. If you go back and read, he's just finished fighting a huge battle with the Judaizers about how a Gentile doesn't need to be circumcised for salvation. So this would appear, maybe, at first glance, to be a step backward in his fight against legalism. But as you look at it, we see that it's not that at all because circumcision had nothing to do with Timothy's salvation in our text. If you read the text, Timothy was already saved. He was a disciple that had a good testimony already in the church there. But listen, Paul saw this as an opportunity for Timothy to have a voice in regards to the gospel with some of the Jews that he would not have otherwise. It wasn't going to hurt his voice with the Gentiles, and it would give him a voice with the Judaizers who desperately needed true salvation. Now, I have to be honest, if I'm Timothy here, I might be asking if there are any other options. Is there any other ways that I can relate to them other than this? But the truth is, and it's here in the text, that this is a significant cultural and religious practice in Judaism, and it was going to give Timothy a gospel voice to the Jews. And do you remember what what Paul wrote In 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 19, listen very carefully. Paul says this in regards to what we're talking about. For though I be free from all men, yet have I made myself a servant unto all, that I might gain the more 
And unto the Jews, I what? Became as a Jew. Why? That I might gain the Jews. To them that are under the law as under the law, that I might gain them that are under the law. To them that are without law as without law, being not without law to God, but under the law of Christ, that I might gain them that are without law. To the weak became I as weak, that I might gain the weak. I am made, say it with me, all things to all men. That I might by all means, what? Save some. And I love this. Say this with me as well. And this I do for the gospel's sake. Not to build Paul's empire. Not because he wanted people to follow him. He said, I do this for the gospel's sake. That I might be partakers thereof with you. Here is the point. Don't miss it. And we're almost done. Be flexible in non-scriptural matters. In order to more effectively have a voice to speak the truth of the gospel. And the truth is, is that we have gotten used to a lot of traditions. And they're not bad. They're not bad. In fact, at one time they were very, very effective. And some of them are still very, very effective today. And we don't just change for sake of change. But when there is, but, but times do change, and people do change. They have since Adam and Eve. And that means that sometimes methods change, and it means sometimes that we become more flexible. And listen, I know what's going through some of your minds, because it comes to my mind, first of all. This is compromise. No, this is not compromise on scriptural things. In fact, it's being obedient to the word of God if you look at the example of Paul and Timothy. It's scriptural obedience. It's what Paul did. It's what Timothy did here in our text. It's exactly, exactly what Paul meant in 1 Corinthians 9. They were flexible. Now, let me tell you what they were not flexible in. Their message. They were not flexible in their message. They did not change their message. Look at verse 4 and 5. They went through the cities. They delivered them the decrees for to keep that were ordained of the apostles and elders which were at Jerusalem. And so were the churches established in the faith and increased in number daily. Look, their decree was clearly given the previous chapter. Look at it, Acts 15, 11. But we believe that through the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, we shall be saved. And the church ought to say, amen. That was their decree. That was their message. And then they added, you remember that the Gentiles should abstain from offensive things that reminded the Jews of idolatry, the meats. So here was their decree. Number one, you're saved by grace through faith alone. And number two, you live by love and sensitivity for the salvation and growth of others. And that's how the church should work. We preach salvation by grace through faith. And we live by love and sensitivity for the salvation and the growth of others. 
In other words, they preached we are saved by grace and we live by love. And the result of that was that the church was established in their faith and they increased in number daily. Secondly, not only are we flexible in what we do, but we need to be flexible in where we go. If you read the text and you know anything about that area, Asia Minor seemed like the next natural step. If they went west, which they did, God shut the door. They began to move north, and God shut the door. They couldn't go south because it was water, and they couldn't go east because they had just been there. Which only left one little place where they might be able to go, and that was a little channel called Troas, verse number 8. And I think a principle here that we see is that we keep moving on mission and God will lead you in the right direction. Verse 9, and a vision appeared to Paul in the night and there stood a man of Macedonia. Macedonia was across the Aegean Sea and you know what great cities were across that great sea? Philippi and Thessalonica and Corinth and Athens. This is Europe. This is the gospel coming into Europe. By the way, you know how the gospel got to America, don't you? Through Europe. We are all beneficiaries of this. God is moving the gospel. These are people who are walking by faith and obedience. Notice verse 10. After he had seen the vision, immediately he said, We endeavored to go into Macedonia. Adonia assuredly gathering that the Lord had called us to preach the gospel to them. There's no hesitation. There's no trying to figure it all out. This is faith. And here is where I'm going to tell you as a church that for over a year now we have been praying and burdened. Our leadership team has been talking about this. Our, Our deacons have been talking about our Sunday situation. Say, what do you mean? Well, again, look around you and and put 22 seats, 22 people in the empty seats around us. We have added chairs, added rows to where we can barely move. No room to walk around the back. No room to walk on the aisles on the sides. We have done all that we can do. We have had people who have come in, families of three, four, and five who couldn't sit together and they just said, we'll come back another time. Or we've had people pull in, not be able to find a parking spot. Brother Travis informed me this of this last year sometime and they couldn't, I mean, we were trying to get them a, a, good, a good parking spot, but they, it was too much. They just left. And so, We've taken every step that I feel like we can take without hurting ourselves. And we're excited today to announce. A little nervous, yes, but excited to announce that. How many of you are thankful we even have this problem? Amen? That we're having to try to figure out what to do to be able to minister to more people. So we are excited today to announce a new weekly schedule that is going to give us an opportunity to reach more people in our, in our community. That's a good place for an amen. <laughs> Thank you, Brian. 
And as your pastor, I'm, I'm asking all of us, including me, listen, this is, this is going to mean flexibility for me too. To be flexible for the furtherance of the gospel. To be excited and not negative that we are needing to make these changes. To give up our preferences and go the extra mile to reach our community for Christ. And this is going to take us all preferring others above ourselves, which Jesus both exemplified himself and he called us to do in love. And if you missed last Sunday night, you missed a great message. Pastor, not, I didn't preach it, all right? I'm not bragging on myself. <laughs> Pastor Matt preached a great message Sunday night on being all in, taking us back to Peter and him stepping out on the water. And I'll just be honest, it was again in that service that God spoke to my heart, when are you going to step out? When are you going to step out of the boat? You've lived in fear long enough. We need to jump in. We need to be all in. Listen, I'm, I'm asking you this year, I'm challenging you as your pastor. And listen, if you just want to go to church and sit and be comfortable, this is probably not the place for you. Just to be honest, I mean, you can do that, but I believe that our responsibility is to challenge one another, uh, one another to equip one another for the furtherance of the gospel, to be challenged in our walk. But I'm challenging you to take another step this year in your growth, in your journey, which means if you don't currently come on Sunday evenings to, to start doing that, to join a faith group, to be a part of a faith group. If you're not coming on Wednesday evenings, and we had a tremendous group here on Wednesday night, 170 people around on our campus this past Wednesday night. That encouraged my heart. But this is a great time to start doing this. And so we have tried to make the schedule so that everyone can do that. We, we've sought counsel. This is not a quick decision. We, like I said, it's been over a year. We have sought counsel. We have prayed. We have talked through every possible scenario. I have talked to pastor friends who have this schedule, and some of them have loved it, and some of them have not loved it. But the majority of them have loved it, and they're reaching more people than they ever have before. And so with all that as an as a introduction to it, I think we have a screen that's going to kind of lay out what our schedule is going to be. Most importantly, because we need to go to two services on Sunday morning. Identical services. They're going to be the same, one at 9.30 and one at 11. And because of that, we've adjusted our weekly schedule to help fulfill that need that we have in our church and we're gonna we can go back to the next slide because I don't want them looking at all the details of this while we're finishing the message we have these for you to take home this morning when you leave but listen church this is this is exciting this is an opportunity for us to reach more people with the gospel of Jesus Christ to get more people in our services so that they can hear the, the life-changing, eternity-changing gospel of Jesus Christ. So that people in our community 
who are saved, but they haven't ever gotten involved in church, and they're not growing in their faith, for them to come in here and for them to be challenged and encouraged so that they can join a group, so that they can hear preaching and teaching from the Word of God, verse by verse, chapter by chapter, so that they can enjoy the worship and the singing that encourages our hearts every single service. This is an opportunity for us to do that. And so here is our question as we close in our lives, personally. Are the first things first? Are the first things first? Look at your life. Look at your schedule. Look at your checkbook. Look at everything that tells the story. Are first things first? Are we seeking first the kingdom of God and his righteousness? And I mentioned it last week. But we're, we're talking with an architect because we know we, we need to expand our sanctuary. Lord willing, this is only temporary and we can expand our sanctuary and add 200 more seats in here long term. And build a large gathering area out here in this grass where you don't have to go this way to go to the bathroom. And everybody said, amen. amen. Especially I say Amen. So these are things where there is no vision, what? People perish. And I deal with human fear just like you deal with human fear. And I deal with human things that I like just like you deal with human things that you like. But I am learning as I grow in this Christian life that it is not about me. This is not my church. By the way, it's not your church either. Regardless of how long you've been here, what position, may it be known always, this is Jesus' church, his church. And our sole mission is to point people to Jesus Christ and help them grow in their walk with him.